Snacky went smush mush. Dude, what the f is that thing behind me? Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Screen Geeks Radio, episode 130. This is Dave. This is Barry. This is Dr. No Way, child psychologist. <laughs> I'm not right. sending my kids to Dr. No Way, child psychologist, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> good times. <laughs> Stay away from the good doctor, kids. All right. Well, well, we'll be talking about that later in our main topic. But yes, this is episode 130. Hopefully this one, well, this one is getting out today because I've got too much other stuff going this week. We've got too much stuff going this week. I need to get caught up again. So we are caught up as of right now. I've got a couple of reviews from the London Film Festival still to put up, but then we are completely caught up. In the meantime, let's talk about what we've watched this week. I'll actually go first just to change things up a little bit. That and I haven't watched a whole heck of a lot. Shall we get South Park out of the way? Sure. I, what did you think of this episode concerning the Jersey Shore? <laughs> Start no, no. with me. <laughs> yeah, I may as well. I may as well. Well, I grew you up have, in Jersey as exactly. a kid, you know, so I don't And I was just there three years ago to, to visit my old hometown and stuff. Look, um... I get it that the joke is about how, you know, how basically Jersey Shore has become such a popular pop culture phenomenon that, you know, people are starting to affiliate Jersey with those schmucks on that show. And I get that. I do. I, you know, but I just, just want to make it clear to anybody, like, particularly anybody on the West Coast who's never been to New Jersey. Jersey is an awesome place, okay? It's, it's almost like the Austin, Texas of the East Coast. It's just, it's wonderful. It's a movie town. It's got a lot of culture. Kind of like Austin, there's a lot of buildings that have been there just for decades and decades. So it has a real sense of history to it. It's a beautiful place. Uh, I mean, they filmed the original Friday the 13th in Jersey. Jersey is a beautiful, lush, you know, green state. It's why they call it the Garden State. So I want to make it clear that Jersey is not like this, you know, it's not like you see it in all the trauma movies. It's not like a toxic waste dump everywhere you look. It's actually a really cool, beautiful place. So I just, I want to defend Jersey because like... That's honestly why I wanted you to go first we're getting, because... We're getting to the point now where like I think people imagine Jersey, they imagine like this is like everybody there is like snooky. Not everybody there has that has that really thick accent. Not everybody there is like the freaking situation, you know, so... So I want to def- defend about, the Garden State a little bit. Not everyone talks about muff cabbage. No, not yeah. everybody. Not okay. everybody. Right. Most of us. You know, <laughs> you wouldn't, Dave. You wouldn't get it, right? It's a Jersey thing. <laughs> oh, so. there it is. There it is. Yeah, I. This is a great indictment on the show, the Jersey Shore. I think. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they do a vicious, vicious. I mean, vicious they make Snooki like the only way you can really describe Snooki is what if Gollum and Snarf from the Thundercats were related and had an incestuous love child. I couldn't put it better was, myself. Who, who was mentally challenged. There is Snooki. Yeah, good episode. The, the best thing that I loved about it was the fact that they made fun of her so bad, and then there's this thing where uh, where, Ky- where Stan's mom, no, Kyle's mom, is talking about like even if you tell them that they, you hate them, they'll find a way to say that they're you think they're cool, and then sure enough, Snooki posts, "This is awesome." It's like, oh, you, yeah, yeah, and who they get to help them? I really, you know, if I had a list of a thousand people they'd get to help repel the attack of Jersey, who they got, I would not put on that list still. It's it's typical South Park stuff, pushing the envelope, but, but so far no protests have been made. I'm a little surprised. I think it's because of the, the final scene. We got him. Right, That's all I'm right, going to say. Right. But yeah, messed up fun. Um, I watched the, fir- the, season, the, the season finale of Sanctuary, and I think I'm done. Uh, they wrapped up the last season thing with the giant spider crab thing. and <sighs> Giant spider crab thing. Yeah, it looked like something from Asylum. You know, I was expecting Mega Shark to show up or something, and <laughs> it was bad. I, I just I, I think this show's run its course. I think I'm done. It, it's just awful. The acting is not that great. The story is laughable. It didn't go anywhere. It, it was. I really felt like it was a waste of my time. Mm. 
Yeah. And then I watched the uh, Masters of Horror. Uh, the was it Joe Dante who did the Screw Fight Solution? Yeah, I think so. How is yeah. that? Um, it's okay. Yeah. It. It's like they're trying to push the gore envelope just to push the gore envelope, the gore nudity envelope, just mm. to do it. It wasn't Dante's best work by far, I don't think. But, you know, it's... Eh, yeah. No, yeah, it's not really the best way. They really can't be. I'd probably give it, like, a two out of four or something like that at best. So, yeah. Anyhow, Ethan, why don't you go next, sir? Uh, I watched Raising Cain. Oh, man. Love which Raising I, Cain. I, which was awesome. Lithgow, as always, top-notch. Great movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> which next, character? I, which character did you like best that he played? I kind of liked his German guy. Actually, yeah, that was yeah, pretty dad. entertaining. Yeah, I liked him. I liked the dad too. My favorite. Yeah. Um, next, I decided to revisit a movie I hadn't seen like in ten years since it came out in the theaters. Because uh, we watched this short film in uh, my English Canadian class when we were covering Canadian experimental film. And there's this one, it was like this mashup of all these like different trailers. It was like Wild Wild West, Species 2, and oddly enough, The Cell. And for some reason, these The Cell, that like, them showing clips of that made me want to revisit that movie. So I did. And that movie is like just one big giant cliche. Like, it's like this visionary world. It's like, it's the most cliche music video imagery I have ever seen in my life. It's like, ugh. Tarsum guys, I won't. I wouldn't call Tarsum a hack, but he is no visionary. He is no Gaspar Noé. I will just say that <laughs> he's no Zack Snyder, the visionary director of Three Hundred. You mean? <laughs> yes, that'd yes. be the one. That'd yes. be the one. And Legend of the Guardians, <laughs> the Owls of Gahuli. <laughs> what else, Screw sir? Zack Snyder. What else have you seen, Ethan? Uh, I watched the Garbage Pail Kids movie. Sorry, you watched what? The Garbage Pail Kids movie? That's wow. my pick for the worst film of all time. I, th- there's no movie I hate more than The Garbage Pail Kids. No movie I hate did more you than see that. It as a, did, you, did you see it as a kid? I did, and I hated it then, and I saw it when I was in college. I hated it then, and I saw it a few years ago, and it's, it's, still, it's, it's, still, it's still got it. What can it's I say? It's not a fine wine? Is that what you're saying? No, no. It's kind of like uh, classic Coke. It's, you uh, mean New Coke? New Coke, sorry, New Coke. Yeah, it just gets worse and worse and worse. No, I, I, I freaking hate that movie. After five minutes, I hated that movie. <laughs> but if you, you've seen it three times, though, so. You know, it's, it's it was kind of like, I don't know, it, you know, it's like one of those it's one of those mistakes in life you go back to for some reason, and I, I don't even know what to compare it to. I mean, it, you know, it, it's kind of like uh, those kids in Stand By Me. They just have to go back to the woods to see if that body is still there, you know, and it was. Well, it's funny, my uh, friend, I texted my friend Miguel during it, and, he, and I said, holy crap, there's musical numbers, and this movie says about what, pooping? I'm like, no, even better, teamwork. Yep. <laughs> it's been forever since I've seen it. I think I've blocked it out mentally. Well, I mean, you know, that's it, it, a really good com- mentioning. It's a good thing you bring up, Ethan, because, like, it's one of these films, and, and if, if for any reason, Dave, you'd appreciate it for this, it never fails to top itself. Just when you're going, you know, this movie can't possibly get any worse. It always finds a way to get worse. You know, like, like th- there's a musical number, a rap musical number. There are scenes making jokes about cannibalism and incest and murder and necrophilia and zits and flatulence. And it is... So, of course, the teamwork song fits in perfectly with all those. Perfectly, perfectly, yeah. And, and, and the, the uh, special effects for the garbage show kids themselves are awful. You can see the zipper 
all throughout the film. You can totally see where where the the makeup begins and ends. And and Mackenzie Austin. I mean, it's a reason we've never heard of Mackenzie Austin again. And I can't stand that movie. I just it was pretty. It was pretty weird too. That relationship with that girl. He's like what twelve and this right. like twenty year old girl's like making out with him. It's like ew. It's very. The whole movie is so incredibly creepy. Even the relationship the kid has with the amazing Morley, the dude who owns the the shop, is just it just never felt appropriate to me. Ugh. The movie is just but inappropriate. It's a good. It's a good Halloween watch though. Because of how disturbing it is. <laughs> I'm gonna. I get. I you're guess, not even gonna respectfully disagree. I guess so. Are you? No, I'll, that's fine. I'll agree with that. You're right. You're right. I mean, between between that and Funny Games, you're right. I although I'd rather watch Funny Games than watch the Garbage Pail Kids movie again. So. Uh, last thing, I saw Nowhere Boy yesterday, which, uh, you know, it's it's well made and it's entirely pleasant and watchable, but it just never really engaged me, and it was just okay. So, eh. I heard that Kristen Scott Thomas was like the best thing in the movie. Yeah, she's she's good in it. Though uh, when it comes to the kid from Kick Ass, Paul Rudd was definitely a better John Lennon than Walk Hard. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, played at the Maui Film Festival, and the the response I heard was pretty, pretty, pretty mild. So. Yeah, I kind of just saw it because I didn't feel like leaving the theater and going back to. The, my dorm i just like i'll just hang out here what's playing uh that okay uh and i just walked in and 90 minutes of my life went by and whatever <laughs> all right then do they use real john lennon music or was it like backbeat where it's all fakies at the end they use a uh, mother okay. like the real stuff because i think yoko gave it her blessing so okay well if yoko so blesses I, it. I well i stayed during the end credits just because i love that song sure but, yeah very cool Cool. All right. What have you been watching, sir? Uh, crossed off my list of shame. Um, I'd always wanted to see it, and I never have, and that's Tony Scott's The Hunger. Um, very early. Very. It's interesting because it came out in 1983. I mean, all you need to know about The Hunger, four words, David Bowie vampire movie. That's all you need to know about this <laughs> movie, and that, that should be enough to make you want to see it immediately. Um, the best thing about this film is that it is a visually gorgeous film and truly was really ahead of its time in terms of being about urbane vampires wanting to... I mean, for Pete's sake, the opening scene could have been the opening scene of Blade. I mean, really ahead of its time. It very slick, very cool. The makeup effects are terrific. David Bowie's terrific as usual. Uh, Susan Sarandon's great. Um, the problem with the movie is that it's also a hopelessly dated 80s movie. Um, this is Tony Scott in his Top Gun mode. Every scene of the movie, you can see your reflection in it. It is just hopelessly glossy Is and there volleyball? No volleyball, oh, okay. although well, there's a few other scenes that will suffice for that. But um, <laughs> I, I like The Hunger a lot. I really did. It's it's really pretentious. Some of the editing choices are really obnoxious and overly showy. Um, and it's definitely a style over substance kind of movie, but I really like this film. Um, I thought the – yeah, I just, it just – it really has stayed with me. And David Bowie has this sequence where it's basically just a progression of old age makeup, and he ages like a few hundred years. Yeah. And it, it really is just like some of the best makeup I've seen. I, well, I love it too. His voice he has, he's like, it's great stuff. Just like that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. Yeah, I really like the Hunger. It's really underrated vampire movie, and I think people need to rediscover it and they'll see just how much it's influenced a lot of subsequent vampire movies. Um, finally, got around to seeing uh, John Woo's Hard Boiled, 
what a terrific action movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I kind of, you know, you see the movie, you kind of understand why people are so crazy about Chow Yun-Fat because he is, he's the real deal in this movie. And Tony Lung, the star of In the Mood for Love, uh, plays the other character in the film. The two of them are so charismatic. The, the movie is just a total, it's, it's kind of like John Woo saying, I'm going to make my lethal weapon. Um, but even though it takes a lot of American action movie cliches, it pushes the action up to about an 11. I mean, the action sequences are incredible, really incredible. Great use of slow-mo, ultra-violent. It just shows how watered down his American movies really are. I mean, his, his, I mean, this hard boil is the real deal for How does it compare to Wind Talkers? Uh, it, <laughs> Sorry. Wind Talkers <laughs> is one of my least, I think my least favorite American woo movie has to be Paycheck. Because that film is just so expendable. But uh, <laughs> The title says it all. Yeah. Paycheck, right. exactly. Um, I saw Ladybugs. First time I'd seen in years. This is the, this is the Rodney. Nice. Because speaking of, oh my god, speaking of creepy movies, um, you know, it's like this is. It seemed kind of wacky and amusing in 1992, but like, I mean, seriously, listeners, this is a movie about a middle-aged man, Rodney Dangerfield, no less, who inherits a girls' soccer team, ends up coaching a girls' soccer team, and he basically coerces his girlfriend's son played by Jonathan Brandis to dress in drag to help these loser girls win the soccer team championship. And like every girl on the Ladybugs, that's the name of the team, every girl on the team is a cliched stereotype or a racist caricature, and they're all inept soccer players, even though somehow they got chosen for this team. So Jonathan Brandis helps them win the big game, of course. And the movie is totally like you know totally okay with this and it, it's got some really really creepy uncomfortable scenes anyway i think one of the reasons i mentioned it is because julia wanted to watch it and i'm like okay i haven't seen this thing in years and wow talk about a movie that is not aged at all i watched all the way to the end credits turns out this movie was shot entirely in colorado no entirely in colorado littleton kent uh you know all i mean this i mean freaking we should have like ladybug tours i mean this thing was shot all no, over no i think i'm Colorado. good isn't that something i think i'm good yeah. um yeah wow it's it's funny you mention that cuz my friend josh he brought up last year that he had loved that movie as a kid and he found it at a garage sale and bought a vhs of it and watched it again he's like holy shit this is the worst movie i've ever seen in my life yeah. so yeah it's dreadful it's dreadful and i and i, da- I like dangerfield a lot but like you you know, it, it's not back to school. Let's just put it that way. It's not Caddyshack. I mean, this is one of the worst films he's ever ever been attached to. Rover Dangerfield was a much better Dangerfield. Ooh, film. I was so, going to ask that next. So, no, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I prefer Rover Dangerfield. Um, the other night, uh, the Watching Hour film program in Denver, uh, hosted by our friend Keith Garcia, um, he had a screening of the movie Nightmares, which is one of my favorite '80s horror anthology films, and Keith really made it a really special night. He started it off by showing an episode of Tales from the Crypt, the famous uh, all through the and all through the house episode, the the Robert Zemeckis one about the killer Santa Claus on the loose. He started off showing nice. that. Then he showed us the trailer to Creepshow, Creepshow 2, Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, my favorite horror anthology. And then uh, the print of Nightmares had it not only was it in pristine condition. But it had an original vintage trailer to Scarface attached to it. No. So it really put everybody like in a great, like, great mood for it. And i got to say, Nightmares looks great in the big screen. I'm like, I've only seen it on the little screen, but it really is a movie that, that really should play in the theater. The Bishop of Battle sequence, the, the second vignette, the one that everybody loves because it's about a guy who gets sucked into a video game. Um, yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like an evil Tron if you can if you can imagine it that way. Okay, it's it, and it's with Emilio Estevez. It's great. It's so it's not Auto Man. No, no, okay, it's good. it's fun. It's so much fun. Um, yeah, I recommend anybody who has heard about nightmares just to see nightmares. There's a lot of lot of fun. 
Uh, and finally, I saw a documentary I think is an essential film. It's called For the Bible Tells Me So. Have you seen this? I've heard about it. This is fantastic. It's on Watch Instantly, right? It, uh, no. Okay. I thought no. it was. It's, um, it's, it's terrific. It's basically about the whole argument that uh, a lot of Christian fundamentalists and activists have been using this argument that the Bible says that homosexuals are evil and are going to go to hell. And the movie addresses those specific verses and really, really delves into what they literally mean and the way they've certainly been taken out of context or it's been believed that they've been taken out of context. The movie isn't so much um, a hammer in the head or like, you know, a really like left wing or, you know, anything that you would imagine like it being like heavy handed or anything. It's actually just this call for for people to, to, to not necessarily change their minds but change their attitudes. Don't be and, a dick, to quote Will Wheaton. Absolutely. Okay. And it's... Uh, I think it's I think it's a terrific film. I think Sweet. it's the kind of movie that could change your mind for the best reasons. It's a really polished film, really, really well done, extremely professional. Um, yeah, and I got to say, I think it's one of the best documentaries I've seen. It's uh, it's powerful, it's moving, it's incredibly funny. Um, but I, I never felt like I was being preached at. I just felt like this movie really provided a solution that uh, a lot of people like myself have been really sick of the way you know interesting christian pop okay. culture has been been acting for the last oh, 50 years so so how'd yeah. you end up seeing it uh julia uh got a copy of it said i really needed to see them cool. she was right yeah right I, think, I think everybody needs to see i it, might need so. to gink it from you yeah sweet all right um let's go ahead and talk about what's coming out this week in theaters and this week in theaters, currently the number one film in America with a $50 million opening. Thanks a lot, Dave. <laughs> not um, just me. <laughs> somewhere right now. No, not somewhere. In America, like I'd say about 70% of the IQ of our, of our American kids are just like dropping. Thanks to Jackass 3D, the latest blockbuster from uh, Johnny Knoxville, Steve-O, and the gang. Thanks a lot, guys. Um, a film that I'm really not that crazy about, but we'll talk about it in a little bit. Uh, Bruce Willis and Red also opened up very strong. And then a limited release, uh, Conviction, film directed by Tony Goldwyn. This is with uh, Hilary Swank and Sam Rockwell. It's supposed to be a very good film. Cool. And that, that was really it this week. All right. Do you want to talk about Red or do you want us to talk about Jackass first? I'll talk br- just briefly about Red. I, I just don't – I mean, bottom line – You said this like two months ago. I did. And bottom line, I mean, you know, it's just it's an action comedy. The action wasn't very good and it's not that funny. You know, and you've got this terrific cast, and you really wish they were doing something really great as opposed to this really, really cheeseball script and really cornball characters. Willis, you know, and I love Bruce Willis, love Bruce Willis, but he's, you know, he's kind of playing the same, he's doing the same thing he did in Cop Out and The Expendables. He's basically just like acknowledging how cool he is as an iconic action hero. He's not really playing a character. He's kind of like, you know, making an appearance. Um, and Helen Mirren and John Malkovich, Malkovich, who's like doing... Uh, He's basically doing like a Christopher Walken at this point, you know, kind of like a self-parody thing. Uh, Morgan Freeman's like repeating what he already did in Wanted. And uh, Carl Urban plays the bad guy, completely wasted. Ernest Borgnine's in this movie, completely wasted. Whoa. Yeah, Aww. Yeah, amazing cast, and just completely wasted on material that is so beneath them. I mean, like, this isn't like The Expendables where it's like, okay, this is, ex- you know, The Expendables was exactly what you want to see, like Dolph Lundgren and, and Eric Roberts <laughs> doing. This is a case where you've got this terrific cast, and they're just completely wasted. So I, I, I don't think it's a terrible, terrible movie, but I, it's just what complete waste of time for the actors and the audience. All right, then. Jackass 3D. This is really kind of a movie that defies criticism, doesn't it? Yeah. Actually, though, I want to bring up one thing first. It's interesting you mentioned you made fifty million this weekend, right? Yes. Yes, it did. When I saw it, when I saw it yesterday at twelve thirty, there were like less than ten other people in the theater. Really? Yeah. When I went Friday night, it was absolutely packed. Granted, it was yeah, opening I, night, well, so. 
Yeah, I wanted to go opening night, but it was like raining and windy like crazy, and I'm like, I'll just I'll just stay in here and get drunk. But usually I do something like that. Well, yeah. they'll, they'll go on Saturday morning, not to eat whatever. But um, <laughs> but this is the kind of movie you really need to see with the right crowd, and that Friday night crowd was absolutely dead on perfect. Now, did you see it in 3D or 2D? 3D. You could actually see it in 2D. They had a 2D version as well. Yes. Oh. Why would you want to? I mean, that's that's the whole. Isn't that the whole kick of this one? It's almost worth the 3D just for the Beavis and Butthead bit at the beginning. And I'm not a Beavis and Butthead fan. You're not a Beavis it's, and Butthead no, fan. Not at you all. like the Jackass movies, but you're not a Beavis and I know, Butthead fan. I know. I know. I know. I say it's pretty amazing that I saw two movies in one day that had penises coming towards the screen. <laughs> but I was kind of surprised that there wasn't more in Jackass. I'll be honest. There was. There were copious amounts of dudity, but. Well put. <laughs> yes, As, especially with uh, what, what's his name? Oh shit! We well, had Bam with the with the penis cam. And oh, yeah. did yeah. you say Bam with the penis cam? Yes. I just didn't expect to hear that today. That's... Oh, there are so many things I never thought I'd be seeing. Has the best bar fight I think I've ever seen in a movie. Oh, oh. amazing! I love that. <laughs> he dressed up as old people too. That always kills me. It, that was pretty good, but the part where where, where Knoxville was was making out with his granddaughter. That was just oh, oh that was my beautiful. Gosh, you guys, <laughs> it's pretty cool that Spike Jones. It's always cool seeing him show up in these things. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just kind of odd. You're like, what? I will say there was one point where I think the movie crossed the line. And that was where they pulled the snake gag on Bam. I was gonna say it was interesting watching that because I like Bam, but he's a bit of a douchebag. But seeing him like genuinely afraid, it's almost like you know, like Jackass is cinema verite now. I've seen that genuine look of fright, of fright on his face. That was that was genuinely interesting. I thought. Yeah, it, it, it freaked me out. I mean, the, the best thing was the use of slow motion in this thing. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, I thought the movie just looked awesome. Yeah, the the slow motion, like they had the Rocky. The Rocky bits were great because essentially Bam yeah. would hit, come up behind someone, splash him in the face with water, and as they recoiled the other direction, he'd hit him on the other side of the head with a boxing glove. And it was like 100 frames a second. So you saw the complete ripples through their face and their nose. and it, It's really an interesting movie. <laughs> I'm not sure it's something I need to say. People say, say that people need to see. Um, you know what you're in for. If that appeals to you, cool. If not, just stay away. I'm going to ask this once, guys. Just I, just, okay. I want to ask this once. I, I, I saw like two episodes in college when it was on MTV. And I thought, this is just idiotic. Do I need to see these movies? Seriously. Do I need to see these movies? Because maybe I just wait, don't get it. Wait, Whoa, whoa, whoa. The guy who loves Sex in the City 2 is oh, criticizing us. For oh, like that's a movie, Ethan. That has a story. It has characters. It has style. That, okay. You know, I, go, I, go, I like movies, yeah. okay? I don't like YouTube videos of guys whacking each other in the crotch and laughing while they're, you know, while they're, while they're high on Heineken. I don't think that's a movie. I like movies and cinema. I like I even like cheesy movies. I, there this are two scenes like a movie to me. There are two scenes in Jackass 3D that you would I know you would like, and that's the opening and closing because <laughs> the opening and closing. Well, no, because they're 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 so elaborately staged with yep. these stunts and filmed in the 3D is beautiful. Yeah, and the slow, and it's all done in slow motion, and it looks freaking amazing. Okay, and it's hilarious without being super gratuitous. Okay, uh, there are other parts of the movie that aren't as well, but it. Uh, this movie, it's it's just so all over the place. There are parts that don't work, but it makes the parts that are hilarious work even better. Uh, did you have to look away from the screen at all, Ethan? Uh, a I will fess up to three spots. The the um the the, the sweat cocktail. The oh uh, yeah oh yeah. I I yeah <laughs> no. Here here's a recommendation: if you're gonna see this movie, honestly, don't eat for like an hour beforehand, just cause. Um, the apple. That's all I'm gonna say. And oh, yeah. and, and and the porta potty at the end. 
That that was a bit far. <laughs> Ken Barry is just shaking his head. Like to listen to a couple kids talking about the ants they melted with their. their That's f- totally what this. It's <laughs> exactly what I feel like I'm listening to right now. <laughs> and super glue too. The, the hairy palms with super glue. Oh jeez. Oh. Yeah, there's. Yeah, there are some. I mean, there are parts that are just set up as just funny gags, like. They, they, Phil and his wife are uh, going on vacation in Vegas, and one of the guys dresses up in a gorilla costume. And as soon as they walk in, he starts tearing the place up and freaking them out. And, and, it, and they got to Will Oldham to appear as like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like save you guys." And then the gorilla just knocks him out. And <laughs> <laughs> it, it is the Three Stooges, honestly. It's, it's, yeah. I, on, here, here's a very important question. That, well, not an important question, but an interesting question. I know this made fifty million this weekend. It's going to do gangbusters. Did it seem to you like they were pretty much done doing these movies? Yeah, they like they they seemed kind of old in it. Like some, they just like isn't Steve like pretty much brain dead now too? Like well, he's I think been sober I read that. for two years. Pardon me. He's been sober for two years. Okay, I thought I read something. About, maybe it's not him. Maybe it's one other member of the crew who's I read it like he's done so much damage that he's basically brain dead. But. 50 million. I don't know. Four <laughs> years from now. 40. You know, I, I think that the telltale sign was when he was playing football with Jared Allen when Knoxville was. Yeah. That was when it was just like, oh. They're like, you know, we're just going to play some football here. And Jared Allen, defensive end for the Vikings, the dude's a beast, just beats the crap out of him, tackles him like crazy. Like one time he's the quarterback and he just sacks the crap out of him. And then he's going to be a receiver trying to catch a ball. And he's like, Hey, this time don't hit me with your purse. And like he was laying on the ground for like five minutes after the next hit because it was. I'm just like, why would you do this to yourself? Well, I I do kind of hope they make another one just so I actually have a chance now to see this movie with like a packed audience. Because again, I still love the movie, but seeing it with ten other people kind of just missed out a bit, you know. I will say this movie essentially scratches an itch. I guess is probably the best way. Sometimes you just want to watch something incredibly stupid. And I'm good for another year or two now, at least. I mean, like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not, I don't own any jackass. Actually, I think I do own one episode on my Xbox 360. But, you know, it, I forgot about it. I was like, one time, oh, I want to watch this. You know, it was like two bucks. But this isn't something I watch on a normal basis. When it was on TV, I didn't watch it regularly at all. <laughs> but, yeah, I, it really is kind of critic-proof, because either you're going to get it or you're not. Yeah, and actually, if you look, I, I don't, I don't want to brag here, but if you look on Rotten Tomatoes right now, it currently has a higher score than the new Clint Eastwood movie. Just saying. That's so sad. <laughs> so at this point, we're, we have in a few years. To look it's how my to, balls the movie. Yes. To Jackass Forty, because you know they'll like push the angle that they're oh, forty doing no. this stuff. If or, they do four D. Uh-uh. Or Jackass: The Next Generation. We'll get like a new bunch of whippersnappers to go around and abuse themselves for. The, I, don't know. Uh, I don't know about that. Not the, the same without the old no. crew. So many people have tried to beat no. the Jackass: The Next Generation. It just never. I mean, come on, we never thought we'd see. I mean, I remember in '87 when they announced the crew of Star Trek: The Next Generation. I thought, who are these clowns? There's no way they can top William Shatner. When yes, William but there's Newell. actual thought and, and, and stuff put into the, the process of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Well, yeah, but isn't the lack of thought, you know, the appeal of of Jackass? The lack of thought, I suppose. I. Well, part of it, I do like, like I said, I do like the guys. Like, I gen- I genuinely really like all of them. So it's like, it's nice to just, it's kind of like hanging out with friends, you know, every four years when these movies come out. It's like, yeah, just seeing old friends, but... Drunk and stupid. Friends. Although these are people I would never be friends with. Never. 
Yeah, like I said, Bam, like, I, I like him, but he's probably a humongous douchebag in real life, so. <laughs> well, I love that we're spending so much time talking about the merits of Jackass 3D. That is that's that is proof that we talk about every kind of movie on this show. Right it's, it's only fair, because, uh, you know, because you haven't seen Enter the Void, so I feel like you're going to be left out of that. I'm completely okay. left out of this Jackass conversation. <laughs> not only do I not get this conversation... But I like I can't believe you guys are like like passionate about the Jackass movies. I just I can't believe it. But I but, you know, not I just, laughed I just that hard. But you know that's okay because this movie's just not it's just not for me. I just I don't get it. I never did. Oh yeah, the, you know yeah. you had the field goal kick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think one of the one of the most epic things was doing the the obstacle course of prisoners. They essentially hung a bunch oh, of yeah. tasers in the middle of the, this office hallway and they built a, an obstacle course and the guys had to try to climb through it without getting shocked as much as possible. It was, it was, it was ele- title prompt. Electric Avenue by yeah. Eddie Grant while yeah. this happens. The actual stunt was called Electric Avenue. Oh my gosh. <laughs> actually, yeah. uh, one other one when, uh, who was it? Yeah, the, the scorpions around his chin. Oh, I actually was, found that like hard to watch. Was, yeah. Yeah. Again, they do. there's some parts where you're just like, why? W-? well, all of it. Why would you do that to yourself? But, Except for the bar fight. The bar fight really was the highlight for me. Ah, uh. Because <laughs> it's something you'd almost expect out of a, a, like a slapstick silent movie. I think that's my favorite part of Jackass more is the gags than just people hitting themselves. Like, I think the gags are really genuinely funny. Except the like... blowgun. <laughs> <laughs> Again, not going to uh. ruin that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, should we move on to what's coming out on DVD? Because we, we really spent, we could sit here and go, <laughs> that was cool. So let's go ahead and talk about what hit DVD, what's hitting DVD this week. All right. It's uh, <laughs> like, thank God for moving on. This special episode of Jackass brought to you by Paramount. Um, the weekend of October 19th, this weekend on DVD, you've got Robert Rodriguez presents Predators. Fun movie. Not great, but fun. Uh, I'll save our crap title for the week. Disney. Do you have one too? Oh, no, 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 yours. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I just bumped yeah. into yours. Uh, Disney Nature Oceans, not bad, not essential. You know, what are you going to do on Earth Day? Well, you should probably go see Oceans, I guess, because apparently <laughs> that helps the environment by going to see a Disney movie. No, it doesn't. It, was, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. In fact, <laughs> I think, well, I mean, let's face it. I mean, come on. I know it's, it seems kind of like a real, I don't know, it seems more like a marketing ploy at this point. But they're not bad movies. They're visually beautiful. I could do without the cheeseball narration, but they're, but they're very good. Um, also, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, Jim Charman's classic, which is now apparently about what, 30 years old. Amazing. 35, I think. 35, yeah. wow. Uh, Tim Curry, Barry Boswick, Susan Sarandon, Meat Loaf. Uh, you can't go wrong. Uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. If you can see it at a midnight screening, that's the way it's meant to be seen. You Are see you going to watch the Glee episode of Rocky Horror Picture Show? Sorry. Sorry. Not. Oh, my gosh. I'm in the worst mood right now. I had to go there. I had to go there. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've had to watch a few episodes of that show with Julie, and I'll, I'll let you know that. Honestly, I just I still don't like it, but I have been giving it a further chance. Okay, because really she have. said she's been trying to make sure she watches it when you're not in the house, just out of out of, out of common courtesy to you because you don't like it. No, well, it's not always common courtesy. Sometimes like let's watch Glee. I'm like, all right. All right. <laughs> um, my favorite movie of all time, Psycho, Alfred Hitchcock's masterpiece, the 50th anniversary edition, available now on, on Blu-ray. This is the really great uh, packed to the max version that was did, that came out like last year. Really good. Apparently it's supposed to be gorgeous. Two films by Baz Luhrmann available now for the first time on Blu-ray. Uh, Moulin Rouge, his 2001 Best Picture nominee, and I think probably my favorite film that he did, William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. So. Cool, and that's uh, and the crap title of the week. Okay, oh, let me let me pull up because I really have to read this to do it justice. This is truly in honor of our good friend Josh Green. Oh yes, inside the mirrors, the dead live on, waiting for vengeance. 
When a young woman is brutally murdered in front of a mirror that is a portal to the world of the undead, her spirit goes on a murderous rampage. One by one, she stalks the men and women responsible for her horrific death, exacting bloody revenge by dismembering and eviscerating the guilty. They can't run. They can't hide. They can't look in the mirror. That's right. Nick Stahl is in Mirrors 2. Oh, boy. How and the reviews I've been reading have said that like the first one looks like high art compared to this piece of crap. I'm confused. How does this like I get it like my soul to take where it's possession, but how does a spirit go on a murderous rampage? I mean that's like I mean Casper can't kill anybody, right? I don't know. Uh, apparently, if Kiefer Sutherland's well, no, not Kiefer Sutherland isn't involved in this one. Of course not. Yeah, I don't because he'll 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 sink as low as mirrors one, but he won't do mirrors yeah, exactly. two. But as long as they're I would say sink as low as jumping on a Christmas tree. But. <laughs> oh, there's that too. Yes. Well, you know, as long as he, there, there are mirrors, then you know, then there's, then it's all good. <laughs> yeah. My goodness. Oh yeah. All right. Mirrors too. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. All right. Uh, let's do some news. I'm just gonna get mine out of the way real quick because I got one whole story this week uh, before we get to our, our, our sad news at the end. But uh, apparently, in the UK, there's a special edition of Battle Royale coming out on Blu-ray. This company apparently makes a lot of their releases region free, and since it's HD, you can import it and play it in any Blu-ray player, pretty much. Um, it isn't completely 100% confirmed, but the first 5,000 copies are going to have like twice as many special features in them as the rest of the pr- versions that they're going to print out. So I'll, I'll put the link up in the Facebook and on the show notes here. Um, if you want to pre-order it, it's going to have both the theatrical cut and the longer uh, cut as well. So it's like 25 bucks shipped, wow. which isn't too bad. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, especially since all this extras will be in English as opposed to my... Uh, import version with re- with the Battle Royale 1 and 2. Then I won't have to have Battle Royale 2 anymore. <sighs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Ethan, why don't you go next, sir? The only uh, news story I have is apparently Tom Hardy will be in Batman 3, presumably replacing Maggie Gyllenhaal. <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. I'm trying to figure out who he could play. No idea. He could almost do Bane. He's not quite big enough. Young, to- young Alfred? Young, young. Flashback, young Alfred. Hardy is so amazing and so versatile as an actor. He could play the hunter for Pete's sake. He could play anybody. The he hunter. could play. I'm thinking of the Spider-Man. You're thinking of Spider-Man, yeah. Because I thought Spider-Man. he'd make a great Craven, but yeah. wait, no, wrong guy. But uh, no, no. I mean, Hardy's Hardy is a you know he's a chameleon. He's just one of those guys who could do anything. I don't want to see him come in as the Riddler. That's all I want. Well, wouldn't be you know I don't know. I mean, I, I remember having hesitations about Heath Ledger when they first cast him as the Joker, just because he didn't seem like a good fit. But I guess if you have a great actor in the role, you know, as long as, as long as it's a great actor, I think you know anything's possible. That's true, and as long as Akiva Goldsman doesn't write it. Oh boy, Akiva Goldsman. No, he's too busy butchering the Dark Tower as we speak. So. <laughs> Well, it's funny how we find a way to bring a Dark Tower joke in every week for like the last three or four episodes. I want to see the movie. I really do. I just don't want to see Ron Howard and Akiva Goldsman doing it. I really don't. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Barry. Sounds like you've got the, the, the lion's share this week. What have you got? Well, according to uh, Arrow on the Head, uh, one of my favorite, favorite horror movie sites, uh, according to a source related to their site, apparently it's it's a go. Uh, Ghostbusters 3 is a go at Sony. The script, uh, the current script, even though it's still being modified, it has been approved, and of course it's been done with the blessing of the writers from the office as well as Dan Aykroyd. So um, apparently, Ghostbusters three is still on schedule to to be released in 2012. So very cool. I'm excited. If it's about good, that. it's very cool. Yeah, I hope. Yeah, I hope it's good. I hope it's worth the wait. Uh, did you guys see the trailer to Nicolas Cage and Drive Angry 3D? <laughs> no. No. It uh, it looks well. You know. How do I say this? It looks like Ghost Rider 
if Ghost Rider were good, <laughs> so he's going to be re- reprising his Doctor Fu Manchu role. Not quite. It looks, okay. but it looks fun. It looks fun. It really does. Like it looks like it's tr- clearly trying to be like a grindhouse sort of film. They're really pushing the angle, the angle that Amber Heard is in the film, which is bizarre because I thought mm. her her fifteen minutes were up. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It it it, uh, it doesn't look great. Doesn't look bad. It just uh, you know. It, I'll tell you one thing though. It looks so much better than than Season of the Witch. So okay. it seems like they should release this first and then Season of the Witch, as opposed to Season of the Witch first, which might kill the audience for Drive Angry. But you know, this is one of these movies that Cage did clearly because he needed the money and because he was offered a chance. I mean, this is one of those you know Gone in sixty seconds kind of you know cash grab movie star roles. But you know what? It it looks fun. I'll I'll, I'll stand by that statement. Okay. Um, a lot of different sites have reported that uh, not only is there a script ready and actors ready and directors standing by, but apparently uh, we're looking at Top Gun 2 with uh, Mr. Cruz appearing in a cameo as Maverick with Tony Scott possibly directing. Okay. This feels way too late. This is something that would have been cool like 15 years ago at the, at the I, latest, but it feels like now it's way too late for Top Gun 2. I don't even like the first Top Gun, so no. you don't like Top Gun? whatever. No. No. I'm a Top Gun fan. I, I love I love Top Gun, but you know. I like the Top Gun roller coaster at uh, Paramount Wonderland in Toronto, but <laughs> yeah, every time we when we were at Comic Con, every morning we walk by that Top Gun bar, and I'm like. Okay, whatever. Is that what made you hate Top Gun? Or? No, no, I just don't like the movie. How come? I, it's, I don't. It's grating. Grating? Yeah. I don't know why, but Tom Cruise just uh, that, that was the period when he would grate on me like crazy. The eighties? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, moving on. Uh, Paul Verhoeven. Uh, it's been announced that he's got a new film coming out, and it sounds great. It's called Eternal. It's basically about the. It's kind of a psychological thriller. A guy meets a girl, and I don't want to really give it away, but a guy meets a girl, and exactly everything that happens with the girl is called into question. And did it really happen? What really happened? Um, it sounds a lot like The Fourth Man, the film that he did back in 1986. His very erotic, very creepy, very weird psychosexual thriller. So it sounds like Paul Verhoeven's really returned to form, which is really exciting. Cool. So, um, according also again to uh, Air on the Head, I get most of my news from Air on the Head. Um, Air on the Head had reported that apparently a great deal of IMAX theaters will be showing uh, in a couple weeks Paranormal Activity 2. Does this sound like an odd choice for IMAX? It sounds to me like they're running uh, stuff I to think show in IMAX. Like, the, 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 what kind of cruel world do we live in where Paranormal Activity 2 is an IMAX and Enter the Void isn't? <laughs> they want to avoid the seizure lawsuits. Well, you know, then then there's the issue of you know, Enter the Void being. I mean, what what could we say? It's it's not rated, correct? I mean, if it was, we'll talk about it. If it was rated, it would be NC-17. <laughs> Paranormal Activity too. I mean, on one hand, you know, it'll be an R, but uh, just and I gotta say, let me just say really quick, Paranormal Activity too. I mean, this this doesn't sound like it's gonna be a good movie to me. They haven't screened this for anybody, and the first one they screened for everybody. I mean, oh, they yeah. had a lot of early screenings. They're keeping this thing under wraps. And the the last time, I mean, just a few weeks ago, the last time they had a horror movie that they didn't lo- allow any critics to screen, and no none of the reviews showed up until the day the movie opened up was my soul to take. So I'm getting a little worried about Paranormal Activity too. Did they show a trailer for this in front of Jackass with you, Ethan? No. Okay, they showed the new trailer, which actually shows footage of like the video cameras and hey, yeah. look at that, blah, blah, blah. And they actually felt like they needed to start. The beautiful thing about Paranormal Activity is it really didn't show you anything in the trailers. Right. This tr- Paranormal Activity 2, even the teaser was still promising because it didn't really show you much. There was some freaky stuff, but yeah. this one's like actually showing people getting dragged out of rooms and stuff, and it's, we have to show you what's scary, and which means it's not. 
Yeah, I wonder it, if this yeah. is going to be like a one weekend wonder. Of like, I mean, I hate to say Book of Shadows again, but to me, it's starting to look Ooh. like Book of Shadows. So. Ooh. Yeah, hope not. All right, uh, most of you know this. Uh, it's been all over the news, but apparently, not only when you buy the Back to the Future Special Edition DVD do you get all the things you got on the original Back to the Future <laughs> Special Edition a few years ago, but you will get the Eric Stoltz footage from the Back to the Future Uno. So get to actually see Eric Stoltz as opposed to pictures um, and photos. You actually see... Uh, There's been video all over the place, hasn't there? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the ones I've seen, though, they don't have any dialogue. Just, like, just showing him in those scenes. And you, okay. And it's just funny. Like, the movie looks so much darker with him in it. <laughs> totally. So. Totally. Um, a new poster uh, has been released officially for I Love You, Philip Morris, the U.S. poster. And I got to say, it's one of the worst movie posters I've seen all year. Um, I don't know. That's the one where they're holding hand in hand. Well, like, yeah, it's like a heart shape, and they're like flying through the air. I don't know what the heck they're thinking. Um, I'll just briefly say I've seen this movie. I love this movie. I think it's one of the best films of the year. Um, no one's going to see it based on that poster. Um, it looks that that poster is just an abomination of bad movie posters. Um, yeah, so I'm just I'm disgusted, and I hope people will still see the movie despite the fact that the poster makes it look so inane and so bad. Um, and finally, 20th Century Fox. They liked uh, they liked the the current uh, Alien prequel script that's been offered because it's cheaper, cheaper. Yeah, apparently a little less than two hundred fifty million. Even I gotta admit that's that's a lot of scratch for one movie. Yeah. And it's PG thirteen friendly, apparently. Well, not necessarily a bad thing, but uh, it just makes me wonder if it's gonna be worth the effort. Totally. Is it, is it gonna be better than AVP? Oh, well, that oh. should that should be the damn. question we're asking. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whew. Damn. That's all I got. All right, then. Uh, finally, we did have a passing this week of, of TV's mom for, for quite a few people, for quite a few generations. Uh, Barbara Billingsley passed away this The Beaver's week. mom. Yes, at, at, at the ripe old age of 94. So it's not like, you know, oh, she was so young. You know, she's had a good run. Oh, and, God bless her. 94. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, yes, she's known as, as the Beaver's mom. She has a great cameo in Airplane. Uh, did you watch the new Leave it to Beaver? When it came out, yes, I watched the, that religiously. Was it on the Disney Channel? No, I, I, I don't think so. I thought it was on regular TV. Okay, it was in LA at least. Okay, I, I think I saw repeats of it on the Disney Channel. It was such a fun show, it really is. It's fun seeing them all grown up and still having to deal with problems the way they did back in the exactly, 50s. exactly. And yes, there are funny, funny things out there about you know her asking where Eddie's rubbers are and things like that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but she the th- the thing was that she really had that wholesome image, but whew, she was hot. Oh, Barbara Billingsley, yeah, gorgeous lady. Yeah, but what, what else had she been in? Was it mostly just Beaver? Leave it to Beaver. I really shouldn't do a shortened soundbite. That no soundbite of the week. No, the rest of you sites <laughs> plunge on Dave because um, it's my turn finally. That's yeah, finally. Um, I can't think of anything else she's done. I mean, honestly, I mean, I think you know because it's kind of like Florence Henderson and. Yeah, Brady Bunch. I'm trying to think because I know Jerry Mathers, you know, who played the Beaver and his brother. I mean, they've done cameos as themselves. I mean, they, there's a really funny bit in the movie Back to the Beach where they do like where they play, remember yes. they play Siskel and Eber. Yes, <laughs> but uh, as far as Barbara Billingsley, I can't think of anything. I mean, you know, she was so the Beaver's mom. You know, it's like that's you know. That was her, her legacy. Yeah. Eddie Haskell, by the way, was always my favorite character in that show. I love Eddie Haskell. Because like, everybody in the show was so innocent. Like, Eddie Haskell was like the kid, like, you know, who always wanted to do everything wrong. You know, he yeah. was like, you know, he was like, he was like, you know, Satan coming into the garden, you know. <laughs> you know? There you go. There but you Barbara go. Billingsley, you know, and, and the Beaver's dad, they're, you know, pure, wholesome. Ward and June, yes. Ward and wow, June. sad that I Cleaver. know that. Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Good stuff. She will be missed, but yeah. She will be missed. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. 94. Good. God bless her. That's, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So let's take a break, and then we'll be right back to talk about a very unique film. <laughs> Stay tuned. In 2005, the crack unit of the bloggers were banned by a web administrator for spam they didn't send. These men promptly created their own website in the cyberspace underground. Today, still wanting a place to discuss their fandom, they survive as bloggers of sci-fi. If you have a favorite show or movie, if no one else can understand you, and if you can type J-O-N-J-A on your keyboard, maybe you can find... Janja.net. At Janja.net, you can find discussions and reviews in sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and everything in between, as well as exclusive interviews with some of your favorite celebrities and filmmakers. Join our forums now and subscribe to the Janja.net podcast. Everything is free, and everything is fun. We'll see you online at Janja.net. Hi, this is Anne Lockhart, and you're listening to Screen Geeks Radio. So what are we talking about this week? <laughs> this week we're talking about dun 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 dun. dun. Uh, Gaspar Noe's Enter the Void, which Ethan and I both had the pleasure of seeing. And I tell you, Marty, uh, this is one episode I wish Marty could have been in, you know, in on because uh, he saw it with me, and we both uh, we both had a very similar and both. Uh, it's just let's just say this is what an experience this film is. I mean, <laughs> this I mean truly, like you do not need 3D to see this film. Thank God. Um, this is definitely one of the most interactive films I've seen in some time. I'm actually going to be mostly out of this conversation completely. I actually might step away a little bit. But uh, I just realized that we, we were talking, and you can't talk about this till Friday, so the episode's probably not going to post until Friday. So when I said earlier, hey, it's posting on Sunday, that's why I was wrong. So have fun. Go at it. All right. Well, you, you go ahead. You start it off, Ethan. Okay. Basically, during this movie, I had visions of my own death. I, at various points, nearly had a seizure, cardiac arrest, brain damage, and I loved it. Um, and, and, you know, I'll, I'll let me throw it back to Ethan for a second because uh, i got to tell you, listeners, like, I don't think I had any intention of seeing this film really at the beginning of the year. Um, if you go back and listen to our January episode, if you're so inclined, um, Ethan mentioned this as uh, one of the films he was looking f- forward to the most uh, for the entire year. And uh, when I finally had a chance to see it, I thought, oh, this would be great, you know, and like, you know, and I'll have, be able to talk to Ethan about it on the show. And and the description of the film sounded intriguing enough, and it sounded like, okay, as long as there's no 12-minute rape scene, you know, like like in Mr. Noe's previous film, I'll go check it out. I brought my brother Marty with me, and it was a real treat because, you know, I t- got to take him to a critic screening, so it was like early in the morning in Denver, and just a few other critics were sitting there. Um, and... I think for about 10 minutes, after 10 minutes into the movie, I turned to Marty and said, you know, this is kind of like strange days, you know, a lot of that, you know, that whole first person kind of experience and, you know, that kind of interaction and and really, really feeling what it's like to be the characters in the film. And I guess, um, spoiler, we're going to do some spoilers. So if you're really, really interested in seeing the film, um, hang in there and listen with us. But if you want a total spoiler free experience, I guess cut to about, about 10 minutes from now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I guess to talk about the movie, we should basically just talk about the experience of watching it because 
um, and uh, definitely elaborate on this, Ethan. I mean, like the first the first 10, 15 minutes of the movie, not only do you see it from the point of view what the character is seeing, you experience like him blinking, which is incredible. You experience him getting high and, and hallucinating, which is actually done in a way that looks frighteningly real and authentic. Um, having cold water splash in your face while you're looking in the mirror. I mean, the special effects in this movie are astonishing. Honestly, I had DMT on my like drug bucket list, and after this, I kind of just said, "No, no, I'm I'm okay." Um, I, and I guess I'll just jump to like what I didn't like about the film. Um, and and uh, uh, you know, Mister No Way uses a lot of strobe effects in this movie, a lot. Um, and the one the one scene in the movie that I think is indefensible is there is a scene where it's basically just a blank white screen with a strobe light. And I gotta say, like, even if Noe explains, like, this is, like, you know, a way of, of symbolizing entering, you know, the void or entering the afterlife, um, I thought this is this is where, you know, half the audience is gonna walk out easy. Well, I, like, yeah, like, I actually, like, closed my eyes during multiple points of this movie because, like, I really, like, legitimately do not want to have a seizure. Yeah, yeah. Like, likewise. I was actually afraid. <laughs> yeah, there, and there is, yeah. I should... Uh, sorry, I was just going to mention there was this girl um, sitting right next to me, and during basically the middle of the movie, for about forty or fifty minutes, she just stared at the floor. <laughs> yeah, and, and I guess you know, w- without without going further, we should say that if if any of you ever, any of you listeners suffer from epileptic seizures or have in the past, uh, avoid this film at all costs. Uh, because the strobe lighting, I mean, I mean, w- would you say Ethan about like what maybe sixty, seventy percent of the movie has strobe light effects throughout the film? Yeah, like I know it sounds like we're exaggerating. No, that's no, no. that's that's true. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit much. And I guess to talk about the plot of the movie, um, although I got to say, um, and, and maybe you'll disagree with me on this, I thought the plot and the acting were not only kind of thin and slight at best. I don't think they're really the most interesting thing about the movie. Um, but the plot for what it is, a uh, young man, uh, for reasons that are very complex, and the movie eventually kind of shows its hand about what's going on, it deals with a guy who lives in living in Japan. His sister comes to live with him, uh, she, and basically his his seedy lifestyle starts to kind of rub off on her, and they basically both start to go on this downward spiral. Um, and the movie, you know, within the first 15 minutes, this isn't much of a spoiler, the trailer reviews it, reveals it too, uh, the, the protagonist ends up getting shot, and he basically watches his sister and experiences the rest of the story from the point of view of the afterlife. You see him floating and flying through different locations, different buildings. And uh, basically, we see what he sees, which is he experiences the world um, not only flying around, but also in flashbacks. So we're, we're seeing, we're basically filling in the gaps of the story. And we see a lot of the film over again. It, it's very repetitive in the way it's been structured with uh, with flashbacks within flashbacks. And, and you see flashbacks from different points of view. And some of them are really beautiful and striking. And some of them, of course, because it's a no way film, are really shocking and horrifying. It's it's almost it's so hard to just describe watching this movie because it is such an enveloping experience yeah. of like saying it's someone just floating for you know two hours and forty minutes. Well, I guess you it's like two hours and fifteen minutes, right. but I saw the longer version. Is like it eventually over a while it just like my mouth was agape. Like it it just accumulates all this power and it just sucks you in. And um, we've we've uh, we played the opening credit music. And, you know, the opening credits are amazing. In fact, when I saw it, when they ended, the audience applauded. And <laughs> Honestly, uh, I just watched, like, those first few seconds of it that we played, and holy crap. Yeah. 
that that's nice. and uh, and things though. But it's not. I don't actually think that is that much of a good representation of the actual film. Because yeah, the film is aggressive at points, but I thought it was very just much a slow burn mood piece. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, and I, as I said, I had hesitations about seeing this film because, frankly, because of the director. Um, there was a point early in the movie. This is this is a bit of a spoiler. Forgive me. There's a point early in the movie where the characters are talking about what it's like to take this particular drug, and they're talking about how you get nightmarish visions and stuff. And I just thought, oh shoot, is this movie gonna like? Is this gonna be one of these movies that really actively tries to hurt me? And I really, you know, even though the strobe lighting was a bit much at times. I really felt like I mean I re- this is a movie um, maybe in part or in whole that I really do want to see again. I really did like this film. Um, I don't know if the word accessible completely applies. If this is a quote unquote accessible Gaspar Noé movie, probably not. But uh, I don't think it was quite as I don't know. I, I I didn't think it was like like maybe Antichrist where I felt like this movie is just just trying to slap me across the face. I really felt like Noé really tried to present an experience here. And even when the music was, you know, perhaps a little unpleasant or whatever, I really felt like this is a movie that is really in awe um, of the human experience. And and uh, even though Noé doesn't directly present a spiritual point of view or religious dogma or whatever, he really does view the human experience as a religious and a spiritual one. Um, late in the movie, there's a series of graphic sex scenes, um, and initially I thought, okay, this is kind of late in the movie to, to all of a sudden grow, you know, throw these copious sex scenes in there. But Noe does this really bold and crazy thing, which I thought was interesting, that he really tries to spiritualize the act of copulation. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like the thing about this movie is, in the end, it's kind of optimistic. Yeah, it really is. Which e- e- even in a pretty effed up way, but it is well about. I I don't know if it's spoilers, but it is about you know rebirth yeah i guess but and yeah and it might be hard to look past all the but i was yeah and uh again i mentioned this earlier in the show but vag cam is something i will see in no other film this year <laughs> that was the one part of the movie where marty and i started to snicker it's like okay of course he would go this far but you know um julia asked me what it was like to watch this movie and i told her and you know again this is as as before spoilers but like you know i never thought i would live to see a scene from the point of view of inside a vagina all of a sudden this giant penis is looking right at me looking at me of course ejaculates on me and then i'm traveling down the birth canal with the sperm and entering into the egg and i'm being regenerated and a baby is being born and you basically see the point of view of the baby being born complete with lack of depth perception authentically. And seriously, listeners, I mean, right now, if you're listening to this going, oh, my God, I never want to see that, then there you go. So is this how Look Who's Talking should have started? This is Look Who's Talking if it was done by Stanley Kubrick. (laughs) Um, I got to say, like, I've seen some things in my life. That is one of the damnedest things I've ever seen in a movie. And you know what? I I applaud No Way for going there, and I applaud him for doing it straight-faced and in a way that was really meant to evoke awe. I mean, some people are going to be disgusted. I mean, let's face it, it's completely outrageous, but I got to applaud the guy for going there because I've never seen anything like that before, and it was a heck of a thing to see. I was kind of glad that I actually that happened just because the audience laughed like crazy, and I was almost glad there was just a moment of levity kind of because yeah. after that whole hotel love sequence, just yeah. like I could just feel the audience just being like... Yeah, cringing and yeah. Yeah. And just, I was just glad people were just kind of like enjoying themselves at least for a second. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, um, uh, I guess in terms of like trying to be critical about it, 
Um, did you think any of the performances were good? Other than the little girl in the car, which I thought was amazing. I thought the little girl was incredible. I didn't think the acting was very good. Well, the the main guy, he's kind of like he's like kind of like uh, Ryan O'Neill and Barry Lyndon. He's sure. like intentionally kind of just a blank slate. Sure. Um, Pazula Herita from uh, Limits of Control and Boardwalk Empire. I didn't mind her. Um, actually, I like the guy who played his friend, the drug dealer friend. Okay. In fact, that scene um, where they were walking to the void and just having that kind of conversation, I really liked. It felt very natural and real, like just like conversations I've had with friends. And yeah. But, well, I don't know. It's not really an acting movie, though. I guess. Sure, sure. No, I, I mean, I agree. I think it's. I think it's a movie completely about technique. And I mean, if you're feeling adventurous and up for an adventurous movie, this is definitely the way to go. But as I wrote in my review, I would say when it comes to this movie, my recommendation to see it is more of a dare than a recommendation. I dare you to see it if you're interested. And I personally, this is a movie. The more I think about it, the more I genuinely like this film. I really genuinely liked it. Um, though I think I would recommend it to maybe two people in my life. Um, but uh, yeah, but I, I did like the film and you know what? It showed me things I've never seen before, ever seen before. And, and not just the sexual things. I mean, like the, the, the scenes of flying above Tokyo are so beautiful. Um, there are scenes that, that show the flashback of this family. And I mean, it's a, it's a very Freudian movie for Pete's sake, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I imagine, imagine if, like the script was so amazing. Like imagine if Requiem for a Dream was done this way. I mean, I wonder, I mean, you know, if Enter the Void could have been so much better if the script was so much stronger and if the story was, you know, so much more powerful. Well, I think you can kind of tell from some of the dialogue that English is not Gaspar Noe's first language. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I actually, I actually was thinking how cool it would have been if Lovely Bones was did this way. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be interesting? Yeah, like because you know, like this is a no question. I mean, this it's a this, this is a compelling story, but it's not the most original story, and I don't think you know it's the most, you know. I think the the technique again is what's ingenious about this movie. But if they actually came up with a story like that had the weight of like the Lovely Bones or Requiem for a Dream, um, I think easy best picture of the year, easy with that level of performances and that level of, you know, of uh, of a story being that gripping. Um, yeah, I think I think Noah really would have been onto something. I will say I am actually a little concerned about Gaspar Noe as a human being after seeing this movie. I will admit, I like I, I feel like maybe something happened in his childhood or something. I'm I'm just a little scared. Scared that he's going to make another film, or scared for his well-being. His well-being. Yeah. Interesting. When uh, did you see this at the same theater where you saw Jackass, or was it like a special art theater, or where'd you see uh, this? It's at the Festival de Nouveau is going on in Montreal right now. Okay. So uh, yeah, it was a packed audience. Like cool. it's pretty. Like I said, it's interesting watching this movie with a a full audience. Sure, sure. And it, the screen was huge and the sound was great too. So it's the best chance I would ever have to watch this movie. Okay. Cool, cool. Marty and I, I mean, we saw it at the Mayan, which is one of my favorite art theaters in, in Colorado, this old, old theater. And there was about, I think, five or six other critics there. So it was, you know, it really wasn't about, it wasn't so much an audience. I mean, it really was Marty and I going like, oh, my God. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, I'd be interested to see what this is like in a in a packed, packed house with people. Well, the guy, once basically the void popped up at the end, this guy, he just like bolted up and left. The guy sitting right next to me. So, 
if he hated it that much, you figured he would have left, like, I don't know, during the ejaculation scene, maybe, or, like, an hour earlier. Yeah. Well, he was just, he was, like, checking his phone during, like, almost the last hour, which almost, you know, kind of the, the light, you figure it annoyed me, but I was still just so, like, <laughs> oh, like, it didn't even matter. That's and, like so I said, stupid. that girl who was staring at the floor, she laughed about for, like, the last 30 minutes or so, so. Yeah, I get that. I can't imagine people, like, like you know, text messaging and crap like that during this movie. I mean, this is, this is you know, the, some of the best reviews have said they felt this is really an immersive film. And I totally agree. This is a movie that, you know, either you go with it or you don't. But you can't just sit there. This is a love or hate a movie. You can't just sit there being like, I'm bored. That's so stupid. Yeah, I, like, I, I can respect someone not enjoying this movie completely, but someone disregarding Noah, how Noah uses cinematic language in this, I just, like, just, no. Yeah, yeah, seriously. So no, I I, uh, I I seriously liked the film. I really did. And um, if people are so inclined, but yeah, it is it is truly extreme. It definitely earns its not rated or NC seventeen rating. But uh, yeah, you know, this is uh, I'm I'm never gonna forget seeing this film. I'm, I'm glad I saw it with my brother because it was. Let's face it, seeing something like this is is profound because this is this movie is really breaking. It's 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 a groundbreaking film in terms of storytelling. Um, I think that you know perhaps it could be done better, or basically without all the strobe lights. Without the strobe lights, I think this movie could have been so much better because I think after a while it was kind of headache-inducing as opposed to, you know, being a part of the experience. I mean, don't you think? Well, I kind of like that was just the mood of the film. Kind of after a while, it was just kind of like I got used to it in a way. But like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just again, it's his artistic expression, so I don't want to crap on him for it, but. I'm, yeah, I, again, if you need to, don't be afraid just to close your eyes for a few seconds. Sure. All right, then. Yeah. So, but it, it, you do recommend it overall. Uh, more like, of what a, would you give it out of four? Well, you know, at the time, I gave it a very safe two-star review, but I'm, I think I'm, it, it's getting a little higher up there. This is a film that I've, I've, I've not stopped thinking about, and I think the more I think about it, the more I like it, and I, I will see this film again. I don't know if I'm going to see it again on the big screen. I don't know, but uh, but I do want to, but I, I will see it again. I seriously will, either, again, in, in part or in whole, because, uh, yeah, you know, I've, I've seen some things in my day. I've never seen anything quite like this, and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that I saw it. I really am. I never thought I'd say that about a Gaspar Noe film, but no, he, he really uh, – that's one of the reasons I love to go to the movies, to see things I've never seen before, and this is it. Cool. So what would you give it, Ethan? Four out of four. Really? One cool. of the best things you've seen all year, you think? Or? It's, it's the, the – okay, I'd say like social network in terms of just like execution of direction, acting, and screenwriting is like a better film. But I think this as – in terms of artistic ambition and achievement is leagues above anything this year. Sure. So, Cool. Right on. Well, uh, let's go ahead and talk about. <laughs> let's, there's really no way to segue, so let's just make the awkward one. What's coming out in theaters this week, Barry? Well, two films dealing with the supernatural. One I'm hoping is great. The other one I'm not so sure about. Uh, Clint Eastwood's film, Hereafter, uh, starring Matt Damon. I almost forgot about that. Man, you were right on the board with that. Good job. Yeah, I, was, Good job. I was rushing at it. Yeah. So here we go, and I'm, I get to see this thing tomorrow. And uh, of course, uh, my hometown, Maui. Uh, you know. I should, I should be specific. When I lived in New Jersey till I was 10. So my childhood is New Jersey. From 10 till about 18, 19 years old, I lived on Maui. So that's to explain that because cause I was about to say my hometown. And you're like, Jersey? Um, no, 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 I no. wasn't going to go there. But, uh, yeah, the town of Lahaina, one of my favorite places on the planet, uh, the town of Lahaina, um, Front Street on Maui. Um, it is 
uh, ravished by a hurricane, apparently, during a scene in Hereafter. They've, Clint Eastwood and gang, was, they were on Maui back in January, and they shot uh, the film, and apparently they just destroy one of my favorite places on the earth. So I get to see that tomorrow. I'm very curious to see how that goes. And then Paranormal Activity 2, which uh, could go either way at this point. So I'll wait for the rift tracks. There you go. <laughs> not, probably not a bad idea. I saw the first one, and it made it bearable. You didn't think it was bearable otherwise? I, it, it was very much the guy, wow, would the dude just die? Would you just kill him off? Would you please just kill him off? He's a moron. Kill him already. And so they were giving voice to that. So, yes. You don't think it would have been good on the big screen or like in a big size TV? Because you just saw it on your laptop, right? No, I saw it on the TV. You did? On the okay. sound and everything, yeah. But, yeah, it was, yeah. Just meh? Really? Like, the end was, was pretty creepy. I mean, there were creepy spots, but it wasn't that good of a movie. It really wasn't. <laughs> I okay. didn't think. Okay. And then a limited release, uh, The Company Men, which is supposed to be a downer, but a really wonderful film uh, with Ben Affleck, Tommy Lee Jones, and Kevin Costner about downsizing. Supposed to be very, very good. Actually, I just I just read that I got pushed back to December, like really? a few days ago. Oh, yeah. I wonder if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Because December is a busy, busy month, you know, with all the Oscar films. But uh, yeah, I wonder if if that's good or bad. Yeah, I don't know. Hope it's good. This weekend is uh, well. Actually, I'll get to that in a minute. Why don't okay. you go ahead and move on to DVDs then, and we'll go from there. Yes. Uh, next week, you're available on DVD. You've got uh, uh, Ethan mentioned this film earlier, Sex in the City too. Um, Your sister's this, a, ter- a werewolf. I gave this film a good review in Maui Time Weekly, and I'm still hearing about it. Uh, Didn't that happen with the first movie too? Yes. Okay. Yes. So I'm just a glut. What can I say? I'm a glutton for punishment. You, you stand up for what you're going to stand up for. That's damn straight. Thank you, Dave. I do. It's a Jersey uh, thing. Sorry. Uh. Yes, it is. Back to the future. <laughs> the 20th, 25th anniversary trilogy, as mentioned, has got the Eric Stoltz footage. Otherwise, you know, if you have the, 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 the trilogy set that was released a few years ago. I guess this is really gorgeous, though, like the transfer and stuff. So Yeah, it'll look good, though, too. Yeah, it looked okay, yeah. yeah I'm All curious right. to see how it, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, it's available on Blu-ray as well, so if you don't already have the Back to the Future trilogy, maybe you should already, well, you should. Why don't you have Back to the Future? This is one of the best movies ever. Um, Star Wars, The Clone Wars, Season 2. Okay. Uh, Alien Anthology. The Alien Anthology, which, my understanding, this also includes the AVP films as well as Predator 2. No. Doesn't it? No. no. This is the this is the Fox release, right? So this is just... Wait, doesn't it also have AVP on it? I don't think so. It doesn't? Because I thought... Because like the quadrilogy was... You know, that's canon. That's everything up to yeah. the... Yeah, and the, this is essentially a re-release with, with brand spanking new masters and new special features and okay, all kinds of I, stuff. Okay, because I thought this had a, the AVP movies on it, too. From everything I saw at Comic-Con and everything, it's just the four films. Okay, which is as the fans Which prefer. look flipping... Gorgeous. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, Mike Nichols directs a film about Jack Kevorkian. Of all people, Al Pacino playing Dr. Jack Death Kevorkian. And you don't know Jack. It's still think a good of the, film. I still think it's a video game. I'm sorry. Okay, well, this is about Dr. Jack Kevorkian. Okay, so well, that's, that explains. You know, about assisted suicides. Okay. That's interesting stuff. Um, this looked intriguing. A B-movie with a really intriguing trailer called Altitude. Kids fly up in a Cessna, they're way up in the sky, and this monstrous creature with tentacles uh, grabs the plane. So, All right. Altitude. The Polar Express, available in Blu-ray on Blu-ray 3D. Is oh, that the 3D look, Blu-rays. Is that going to yeah. look good? Um, I've seen some 3D Blu-ray stuff, and it doesn't look bad. Again, for it to for me to buy in, the screen would have to be so big it's cost prohibitive. Okay. So this is like, so clearly not in the level of like Jackass 3D. No, okay. nothing could be. No, okay, <laughs> nothing is. Yeah, actually, good. I don't know that you really would miss anything seeing Jackass in 2D. Hmm. I don't know. What do you think about? Well, 
Those, uh, I don't know. Seriously, those opening and closing scenes are incredibly impressively put together. Do you guys see some 3D duty though? Oh, there's the dildo, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's the dildo shot. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's yeah. A pretty impressive shot too. Why did I ask? Why, listeners? Why? I don't know. Let's move on with DVD <laughs> releases. Um, the sequel to the girl. Uh, with the dragon tattoo, the girl who played with fire, uh, also with Numi Rapachi. Um, very good film. I don't think it was quite as good as the original, but very, very good film. And she's terrific. And of course, I'm hoping it'll be on Netflix streaming the day like the first one was. Yeah, good film. Definitely worth seeing. Um, good luck, Mr. Fincher. You have your work cut out for you. Uh, Stanley Kubrick's Pass of Glory available on Criterion Blu-ray. That's going to be looking good. This is a great film with Kirk Douglas, one of the best war films I think ever made. Cool. Excellent film. Uh, what else? House or Houseu, the Japanese horror film available on Criterion. Everyone I know, like Marty and Keith Garcia, are nuts about this film. I can't wait to see it. The, the blue, I've already seen a review on it, uh, I think at Blu-ray Digest or something, and it, it looks amazing, and it sounds just so off the wall. It's number one on my Netflix queue right now. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, South of the Border, a documentary by Oliver Stone. Uh, Dave and I will be seeing this film very shortly, so stay tuned for a review. Yes. Uh, Man vs. Food, season two. Woohoo! Man vs. Stomach, who will win? And then finally on the list, um, I saw this thing back in the theater. I can't believe it's, you know, in addition to Back to the Future, the 25th anniversary Blu-ray edition of Santa Claus, the movie. This is with John Lithgow and Dudley Moore as Buddy the Elf. Yes. This is from from Alexander Salkin, the company that did uh, the first uh, three Superman movies as well as Supergirl. Um it is what it is. <laughs> there you it's go. It's very cute, <laughs> and the special effects were amazing in 1985. Um they actually had Santa Claus the movie Happy Meals too. Actually, I remember those. Yeah, yeah. They they hyped the crap out of this thing. The problem is they released it so close to Christmas that you know, like after a few weeks, it was completely moved. They should have released this thing like in November to get some momentum. But like you know, it made a splash in December, then it was gone. So. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, maybe I just zoned out when you were reading DVDs. But did you mention? I think Winter's Bone comes out that week too. Does it really? I've been dying to see that. Yeah, me too. So I just was like, it's coming, right? I hope so. I hope so. That's it one could of those. Be. That's one of those films that I like. Uh, Robert Dennerstein, a critic I really respect, uh, wrote for Dennerstein Unleashed.com, really great movie blog. Um, he says that's probably his pick for for best best film of the year, and I've heard that from a lot of people. And I just happened to miss it when it was in all the art theaters, but I've heard that's so good, and that the lead actress, think it, I think it's Jennifer Lawrence. Apparently, she's really good in it. So, very cool. Yeah, right on. Well, uh, conv- the film festival season is hitting full swing for us starting this next week. Yes. Um, so we're going to have all kinds of interesting episodes and interviews and stuff starting to pop up. Start uh, this next weekend, the twenty second and twenty third. I think Barry's you're just going up for the twenty third. Uh, but for the Mile High Horror Festival, which uh, we're gonna, we're going to catch up at the Tivoli, which is where the the Denver Film Festival is, which is like two weeks later. Um, but we're already getting screenings set up for the the uh, Stars Denver Film Fest. This is the fun, busy season for us. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, we just got our official notifications. I think I might actually try to do some red carpet stuff this year because I got Ooh. a photographer, the guy who did some of the pictures for Starfest for us and stuff. Ooh, I have something I can announce on the show. Do I you? For, I forgot about this. Yes, because I was at, well, at the uh, at the nightmare screening. You probably know this too. But at the nightmare screening, uh, Keith Garcia got up and announced uh, not only one of the... He announced basically the watching hour that's going to be shown at the film fest. And one no, of the I haven't heard any of this. Okay. Right, this. Well, you know, Danny Boyle is the big guest this year who's coming. Uh, Danny Boyle is going to be there to uh, to show train spotting. Really? So he's going to introduce train spotting and maybe show up for the Q and A afterwards. He didn't confirm that, but uh, yeah. So holy crap! 
Yeah. Because we're seeing it 127 hours on Tuesday. Right. And, uh, yeah, and, of course, he's going to, I believe, be the big award winner recipient this year. I'm not sure who the other actors or filmmakers coming are, but... Yeah, but yeah oh, Danny Boyle is an email in here. big one. I forget. So, who and well, you know what, listeners? Uh, by the time this this is up, it'll be uh, it'll it'll be up because um, we don't get it until the, Monday. Yeah, Monday. The actual schedule. I'll put, but, I'm going to put uh, up a post about what, what I'm looking forward to. At least. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, stay tuned. We'll definitely cover hang as on, many movies. I've, I've actually got some uh, confirmation as to people who are coming. Oh, really? Uh, yes. Oh, cool. Let me find it. Danny Boyle is coming to receive an award. Aaron Eckhart is coming out. Aaron Eckhart for Rabbit Hole. Oh, that's neat. And looks like that's about it. I didn't see anyone listed for a black swan even though it's showing Aaron Eckhart's great uh, I sorry I can also mention stuff I'm seeing at the festival de nouveau this yeah, week yes, please do sir I'm seeing uh, confessions this Korean movie which is supposed to be amazing kaboom the new Greg Araki movie oh wow uh, Outrage, the new uh, Takashi Kitano film, and uh, finally Uncle Boon Me, who can recall his past lives, the uh, Palm Dior winner. So that's stoked terrific. for all those. If nothing else, that's a great title. How cool! Very cool. Right on. So we're gonna have all kinds of weird stuff coming up because I, I we we just got our emails officially yesterday. But I've already been contacted by, contacted by six or seven different publicists to cover their movies. Yeah, so. we're going to be between now and like the middle of November. We're going to see so many movies. Yeah, that's is, why I haven't. Great. That's why I haven't seen much. Is I'm kind of like letting my brain simmer a bit, and because yeah. we're going to go on overload. Yeah, around film festival time, my eyes start to get really sore and really tired. But you have to enter the void first, Dave. Dun 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 dun. dun you know, dun, I think dun, I'm, dun, I'm going to wait. I, I will see it at some point because you guys actually do have me sold on it. But yeah, no, no, no not now, no, not for you and the wife <laughs> well don't recommend it well played alright uh, is that about it I guess I, so Ethan do you like Greg Araki movies I've only seen Doom Generation and Mysterious Skin yeah, I okay. like them both okay just curious very cool um, hang on uh, you know you'd really think I'd be prepared for this stuff by now since we do it every flipping week and I keep forgetting to pull up the voice number every week <laughs> But if you want to shoot us an email, by all means do. You can shoot it to podcast, Ethan, Barry, or Dave, all at ScreenGeeks.com. You can also shoot us, uh, leave us a voicemail at 719-358-2675. Next week, uh, it's going to be a little bit of a split show because you're actually off, Barry, but we're going to record a spot talking about the Mile High Horror Fest. Great. And then Ethan and I will be talking about releases and news and fun stuff and whatever else we come up with. So it'll be like an episode that's a combination, an accumulation of, of different different things. But we promise we always... We always deliver. We'll try. We can. Yes. 130 episodes in. Yeah. Yeah. Holy crap. Look, but, Ma. Yeah. We're going to have, have some fun. Uh, craziness coming. But until then, this is Dave. This is Barry. This is Ethan. Can I get you something? Chimofo, butterland into the bone. Jacking me up. Tighten me. I'm sorry, I don't understand. Cuddy say can't hang. Oh, Stewardess, I speak jive. Oh, good. He said that he's in great pain and he wants to know if you can help him. All right, would you tell him to just relax and I'll be back as soon as I can with some medicine? Just hang loose, blood. She gonna catch up on the rebound on the med side. What it is, big mama? My mama didn't raise no dummies. I duck her rap. Cut me some slack, Jack. Chump don't want to help, Chump don't get the help. Say can't hang, say seven up. Jive ass dude don't got no brains in here.